Hey everybody, welcome to the 10 to 12 podcast, the official podcast of Teamsters Local 1150. I'm Stephen French. I'm Benny Kaitzi. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. So, like any other organization out there that has a membership, we're looking, always looking to have members get involved a little bit more with the organization, right? We're, we're not going to pressure people to get involved, but we, we love to have members involved. Um, this is the kind of business that requires a, a desire on its membership to be involved, right? Um, we want to make sure that our members know how to get involved if they want to, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about all the ways that you as members of Local 1150 can get involved with the union. Uh, but before we do that, let's do a benefits bite. So today we're talking about short-term disability. Uh, Some companies require their employees to buy short-term disability in varying levels, but we've bargained that all of our members have it as part of your benefits. It's covered in letter three of the contract. Um, Basically, anytime an employee has a medical issue that requires them to be out of work, you can apply for short-term disability for up to 52 weeks. It could be used in conjunction with the new Connecticut paid family leave to increase the weekly amount that you're getting paid. But basically, if you flip to your contract, that letter three, it'll show you a table. It shows you based on your wage how much your weekly benefit amount would be. It could go up to $640 a week. Um, Supplemental short-term disability is also available. That's an additional benefit that you could buy. You could buy that from a company called Amalgamated that does like a uh, open enrollment period once a year at Sikorsky for our members. But there's also third-party companies like Geico that sell supplemental disability insurance for you. Um, Aside from short-term disability, after you get to the 52-week point, there's what's called total and permanent disability, which is different than long-term disability, so we're going to explain that to you a little bit. Many people confuse the two. Um, For total and permanent disability, you must be out of work for more than one year, and you must be under the age of 65 in order to be eligible. The amount that you would get is listed uh, as a monthly amount in letter three of the contract, and it actually begins to draw down off your life insurance policy. Um, but in the event you need to use it, it's good to have it there. And and to be clear, so so that everybody understands, total and permanent disability is not an automatic benefit that happens at that year point. You, you have to be certified as totally and permanently disabled, and a doctor has to deem you unable to work yeah so it's not you don't just raise your hand and say hey i'm done (laughs) you got to get that uh, exactly follow the right procedure um aside from that you can collect total and permanent disability even if you're off the payroll as long as you have applied prior to being taken off the payroll and you meet all the other eligibility requirements Um, but you must obtain a social security disability award letter in order to qualify awesome so um Anything else on disability? No, not nothing else I can think of. If you have any questions, like always, make a steward request. Tell your foreman you need to speak to a steward, and they can take you through that part of the contract. Or like I said, you could pull open your contract, and letter three is where you're going to find all of that info. And, and what we recommend, listen, if you're out of work for a medical reason, right, and, and you're, you're not collecting workers' comp or any other benefit like that, it's a good idea to apply for disability. If you get denied, then you get denied, and you come see us, and 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 we see if that's that's the correct analysis of your situation. But apply for the benefit, right? Yeah. Always apply. And with all the different benefits out there now, between the paid family leave, short-term disability, um, having federal family leave to protect your your job if you're out, 
Jeff, definitely, you know, call for a steward and let us kind of help you work through all those things. That's why you pay your dues and we're happy to help. For sure. So let's get into our contract. What part of the contract are we going to talk about today? So today I thought we'd talk a little bit about uh, the non-interchangeable occupational groups that we have. So everybody's in a different group. And within those groups, we have what's called a path of progression or a, a path that you follow um, as you go along in your career to get more money and more responsibilities. Um, so within each occupational group, we've got different job codes. And in different areas, the progression is a little bit different uh, depending on where you work and what the job descriptions say. Um, any job code, your first two digits of the job code are actually your occupational group. And the whole four is what corresponds to your detailed job description. Mm-hmm. Um, so anytime an employee is performing work that they think is outside of their current job description, most of the time it could be work that's above that, that rates higher, that would correspond with getting more money. Um, in those cases, it's called a misclass grievance. And that's a time that you should call for a steward. The steward can help you go through your job description and figure out, have you been performing that work? And it's important that you've been performing that work for the majority of a 90-day period. Yep. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean 90 days out of 90 days. If it's something that only comes up five times in a 90-day period and you did that three times out of the five, to me, that's a majority. Um, same thing. Yep. You know, I, I would agree with that. And same thing, you know, if it's performed 90 days and you performed at 46, well, that's a majority. So that's something your steward can help you assess. Um, but each job code has different responsibilities. And it's important to, to stand up for that right, right? You, you, the company has an obligation to pay people for the work that they're assigning them. Yeah, absolutely. So, so if you're being assigned work that's, that's rated above what you're getting paid, you have absolutely every right to raise your hand, ask for a steward, and rectify that situation. Yep. Make sure that the company is, is paying you properly for the work that you're being assigned. Definitely. Yeah, so in those cases, there's a few different possible outcomes that could happen if you make a steward request and you're performing work outside your write-up. Uh, the first is, as always, even if we have a good contractual argument, the company doesn't always agree to settle. So the company could say, hey, we're not going to pay you the back pay, and we're going to have you stop performing the work, in which case you would file a grievance. Uh, the other option would be the company has you stop paying the work, but they might agree to pay you the 90 days of back pay or a portion thereof. Um, a more preferable option for us would be that they have you keep performing the work and the company promotes the employee, which may include back pay for the 90 days, um, or it may not. And then there's lastly another case that if the company doesn't agree to promote and continues to have the employee perform the higher rated work, you should continue to grieve that every 90 days. Yes. And the intent is that after you've grieved it a few times, we go back to the company and say, look, we've had this misclass, you know, multiple times in a row you need to address it you need to you know correct the issue and promote the employee the reality of it is that that misclasses are really common um i don't know that they're commonly grieved but they're common it's really common for supervision to to try to get people to to perform work that's that's part of a higher rated job than what they're paying people for um, so, so be on the lookout for that. Don't be overly sensitive to things, but absolutely be on the lookout and make sure you're asking the union, ask your steward yes. and, um, and get the advice of your steward. Right? Yeah, I will say it's something we are seeing a lot lately, especially with new hires. Um, some of the new hire job descriptions don't have a lot of stuff and the company's eager to get them trained up and working. And they do take advantage of if an employee's trained well, doing a good job, they'll throw them right in there. 
but there's cases where that is, you know, a misclass. Um, and the last thing I want to say about a misclass is the burden of proof is on the union to prove their case. Um, so you have to be able to prove your misclass. And, you know, that's something that you have to consider when you're putting a case forward. Uh, lastly, there's cases where a misclass might not be the correct grievance because none of the job descriptions that are currently in existence would encompass the work that you're performing. And that's a case where you would get with the steward and the steward might say, you know, this is uh, an opportunity that we should call out a job evaluation steward. And in those cases, they'll go through, look at all the job descriptions. These guys are experts in the job descriptions, um, experts in the grading of them, and they can go through and figure out, do we need to make changes to the current write-ups? Do we need to implement new write-ups? And uh, so on and so forth. I, I want to make sure that people understand that if if you do make that claim that, you know, and, and there's there's a job evaluation that that may or may not happen if it does happen this is a long process i want mm-hmm. all of our members yes, to is. understand that job evaluation is a long and drawn out process um it normally takes at least months to accomplish um and and we're not always successful with it right so it's something that requires a lot of patience on the members part Yeah. You know, I think people lose sight of that. Even when you have a good grievance, there's times where you just can't get the company to agree. And it could be black and white, but it just doesn't matter. And in those cases, you have to work through the grievance procedure and kind of hold their feet to the fire with the procedure and the contract. Um, But there are limitations. Absolutely. So let's talk about what we came here to talk about, which is getting members involved. Yes. Right? Um, Really important thing, and we we talk about it quite a bit on this podcast. We touch on it here and there. Really important for members to be involved at at a level that's comfortable for them, and there are lots of things that people can do, right? There's lots of levels of involvement that people can can choose to to take on from from attending meetings regularly, which is really the the basis of, of a good member's involvement, um, all the way up to becoming a union rep. So we want to talk about all that stuff. We want to get, get into the, the nuts and bolts of how you get involved if that's what you want to do. So you can, you can get involved again by, by coming to meetings, right? Just be an active member. Um, and what does that look like? What does being an active member look like? Well, first coming down to a meeting, especially for the first time, a lot of people don't know you can get sworn in. There's an oath of obligation to the union. Um, So it's good to come down, kind of see where we, you know, do our business, um, see where the meetings are held, meet your executive board, meet your, you know, business agent for your area. And you take the oath of obligation and, you know, that way you're getting informed every month of what's going on. Exactly. I I say it all the time to, to new members, that factory and when I say that factory, I mean all of the factories, right? All of the Sikorsky facilities. This is the most sophisticated rumor mill that you will ever encounter. Yes, it is. Right? Um, Almost everything you hear on the shop floor has some level of untruth to it, right? Um, There are lies, flat-out lies there. There are, you know... um, there are stories where the the truth is twisted a little bit, and there's everything in between. Yes. There is rarely anything you hear on the shop floor that's absolutely true. Right. So, so the, pl- the, pl- the place you come to, to hear what's true is a union meeting. Yes. 
and you know, Rocco's going to stand up there and he's going to answer people's questions. He's going to address people's concerns and, and he's going to tell you the truth, right? We have no reason to lie to our members. Yes. So come to the membership meetings to hear the truth. We'll dispel those rumors that you hear on the shop floor. So uh, again, getting involved starts with coming to union meetings. You cannot be an involved member without attending meetings. It's just, yeah. to me, it's, it's an impossible equation. So what else at that level? Just If you just want to be an active member, what else can you do? Um, for me, it's exercising your rights as a union member. Yes, right. That, that's, that's being an involved member. Which means you have to have a baseline understanding of your contract yeah. and what those rights are, which is, you know, not something to be discouraged by. You get that and you learn that over time by going yeah. to the meetings, by talking to your steward, by talking to more senior employees. Um, I've said this before, but I think one of the benefits of being a Teamster should be the mentorship that comes from more senior employees in the shop, um, teaching you the ropes, telling you how to do things. Without question. Um, Vin, is, is, a, is a member who requests union representation, is that a troublemaker? No, it's good to raise your hand and ask a question. If you're if you're unsure about something, that's really the best way to get an answer. And raising your hand and having a steward come over, you know. I think a lot of members worry about that. I think a lot of members feel like the company sees them as troublemakers I when think they that's raise true. their hand. Yeah, it's and I think especially younger, newer members. They're intimidated by that, right? Yeah. It's kind of scary for people to ask for a steward to request union representation. And and I think we need to do a, a better job of making people comfortable with that. I, yeah. I agree. And I think the way you normalize it is by everybody taking advantage of their right to request a steward when you need to. And if everybody does that just as a, a standard practice, then it's not as taboo when somebody says, hey, I'd like a steward. They're, exactly. They're used to it. Absolutely. Yeah. You're paying for the right, right? You're yes. paying union dues. So you have the right to do that. You're it, paying for that privilege. It's a muscle that should be exercised often. Yeah, nice. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, what else can we do to, um, to be a, a just an involved member? Uh, so we can come to meetings. We can we can speak up at meetings, right? We can yes. ask questions. We can talk about our concerns. Um, we we can exercise our right as a union member to representation. Um, you know, there's going to be times where you witness things on the shop floor that you might not be able to grieve yourself because you're not a, you know a party to that. You might not have the standing to do so. Um, but it's important. You're our eyes and ears on the floor. Yes. So by just telling your steward or making them aware, you know, the company starts to realize how did the steward even find that out? And that's a really good feeling as a steward when you've got the ability to know what's going yes. on and the company knows that you're getting that feedback. Yeah, right. And listen, the company, we're, we're going to keep the company in line. And, and, and I don't want to make it sound like, uh, you know, a battle because in most cases it's not a battle. But Sometimes the company does stuff that they're not supposed to do. And as members, we need to support one another, right? We need to not just talk to your steward about something you see, but talk to the member who's affected by yes. it, right? Maybe they don't know that this condition exists, or maybe they don't understand 
um, how bad that condition might be. So talk to your fellow members and say, hey, did you know that this is going on? Maybe you should raise your hand. Maybe you should ask for union representation. I, I think it's a good practice to talk to your coworkers about issues going on on the shop floor to let them, you know, everyone kind of share, shares what's going on. So you know what's going on. Maybe you would be somebody who has a grievance. They don't know it. So, you know, you talk to your coworker, oh, this is going on. Oh, and then you could raise your hand on it. And same thing with somebody else. You let them know when you see something that they should probably raise their hand on. And and it it has this effect on us, right? It it doesn't just have the effect of informing one another when there's something wrong, but it, it builds solidarity. Yes, exactly. And that's really important because, let's face it, that's what unions are all about is building solidarity. So, you know, encourage your coworkers and, and your fellow members to exercise their rights to union representation. D- do that, right? And they're going to do that for you. And that's how this works. So so what else can people do to get involved with their union out there? Um, you know, before we go on, I just want to say, going back to that supporting uh, your fellow member, there's times where you're going to witness something and, and it might be poor treatment or, or, you know, something to that effect where you're not the one getting, you know, shit on today <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um, but you're witnessing it and you've probably felt it before. You know, sometimes you get a management style where, you know, they'll mess with one guy today, another guy the next day, but it's never everybody on the same day. Cause yes. that would be a mutiny. Yep. Um, but you got to be willing to stand up for your coworker, even when you're not the one in the spotlight. Oh, I totally agree. I think that's a very important point. That yeah. when you see something, especially if somebody raises their hand and the steward wants a witness, you should be there. I'm the witness. I saw it. Let me tell you about it. Yeah, yeah. So, so listen. If if you have more desire to be involved, right, just outside of that type of thing, um, we have events throughout the year right the union has events um you know we we have annual family picnics in all of our locations we have annual holiday parties we have our scholarship golf tournament up here in connecticut our tvc caucus um runs a golf tournament we have the home runs for heroes baseball game that we partner with sikorsky aircraft on all of these events or at least most of these events require volunteers to help out right to organize the events to work the events if that's something you're interested in you know raise your hand give us a call down here call union hall say hey i'm looking to get involved in any way possible can i volunteer for an event somebody's going to tell you how you can do that yeah right that's an that's an easy thing um especially events like our golf tournament our golf tournament requires a ton of volunteers and i know that we have people who are interested in doing that so um, you know, that's a great way to get to know your union leadership, to get to know your stewards, because a lot of stewards volunteer for those events. And it, it's a great way to get to know your your fellow union members and go have a good time with them, because it's a good time. Even when you're volunteering, it's a good time. It's fun. And And also, if there's an event that you would like to see happen, bring that forward, right? Maybe... Maybe you can organize that event. I know that when I was a young member, when I became a steward, um, another another steward that worked near me, he and I, we we talked and we talked about trying to raise money for, you know, our scholarship fund and things like that. Because at the time, the golf tournament was not the event that it is today, and and he and I put together a pool tournament, 
and oh, cool. and for like three years we ran a pool tournament and and it was a lot of fun um you know and we we got busy and and it got difficult to continue running that and nobody wanted to run it anymore so if there's anybody out there who wants to run a pool tournament um, <laughs> i got the I, blueprint i do i have the blueprints <laughs> i just don't have the time so so but stuff like that listen bring it forward and maybe you can do it right maybe you can run an event for the union because those types of things build solidarity as well what else well everybody's aware we have caucuses yeah. that are uh, available for you to join we've got the teamsters for tomorrow which is connecticut futures now we've got um the tnbc we've got tvc um tnbc is the teamsters national black caucus the tvc is the teamsters veterans caucus we have a women's committee yeah yep. and and we have a brand brand new pride caucus yes. as well um, that's just really at this point an upstart and i don't even know if they're recruiting new members yet but um but that's something that's on the horizon and just just Let's make people um, aware of what a caucus is exactly. Um, a caucus or a committee, it, it's, a, it's a group of like-minded members who come together to really to bring their issues to the larger union, right? So it's, it's, it's a group of, again, like-minded people or a definable group of people, um, and, and they discuss their issues and they bring them to the union to make sure that those issues are being addressed, right? To make sure that this unique group of folks are, are being heard by the, by the union, right? That's really the, the purpose of a caucus. But those caucuses take on a, a much larger role within the union, right? Uh, they're, they're a big part of our community outreach because all of these caucuses have some level of community outreach, some, something charitable that they do in the community, or they help with our larger events that, that do have that kind of charitable um, blueprint to them. And if one of the caucuses doesn't necessarily align with what you think the needs are, then bring that forward as well. Um, like Steve said, we just had the Pride Group that's starting off now. Um, that's a, a new caucus. Um, a need was identified, and you know, we, it's uh, in the works. So, no, no question. I've always wondered why we don't have a Hispanic caucus here because there is a, a an IBT Hispanic caucus, a pretty big group, um, and and we have we have plenty of um, Latinx folks working in the factories, and and I think it's I think it's a great idea. So, if that's something that you're interested in, and you're listening to this podcast right now. Um, give us a call at Union Hall, and we're we'll, we're more than happy to help you start a group like that. But but anything to Jason's point, right? A- anything out there, if if you think that that there's a group out there that that might be better heard by forming a caucus, and and you want to do that, let us know. We yeah. would love to help you do that. Yeah, we want to make sure everybody feels you know involved. Everybody feels like they have a place and their voice is heard. Yes, absolutely. But. To be clear, these caucuses, they shape our union, right? They, they are they're a big part of, of what shapes this union and what, what, you know, what's important to the leadership of this union to hear. So please consider either joining or starting or um, getting involved in some way with one of the committees or caucuses. Really important stuff. I, I think a bulk of what we want to talk about today is people who are looking to get involved with their union at a higher level. Right. I have one more thing that kind of goes in with uh, ca- uh, caucuses and committees. And, and, and I, um, so 
sometimes our union supports other unions by showing up at rallies and picket lines. And I found that as a way for me was a good way to get involved because I, I really like uh, showing support for other unions. So that is, that's another way to get involved. Sometimes our union, we showed up for the stop and shop workers a few years ago when they were on strike, you know, we showed up on their picket lines to show support for them. We show up for other teamster locals, when they're either on strike or they're in an organizing drive. So I think that's a way to get involved with our union by being there with us. And it's so important. That comes back to us, right? It eventually comes back to us. And I think back to our strike of 2006 when we had what we called at the time the Hoffa rally, when when uh, Jimmy Hoffa, the, the at the time the general president of the Teamsters, came to Sikorsky and, and came to support local 1150 in our strike and so many unions came that day Uh, it it was it was incredible to see the the different unions and the different teamster locals that showed up just with with a handful of members or with a hundred members with a truck or not a truck um there were it, it was really really impressive and that's the kind of thing that we need to do on a daily basis on a large scale or a small scale yeah absolutely so, so again, I think we want to talk about people who are looking to get involved with the union at a higher level, right? And I think that starts with maybe running for steward, right? If yeah. you want to become a union representative, um, you know, you have to consider running for steward. It, it's really the ultimate involvement, right? That's where it starts. If you're looking to really be involved in your union and make a difference in your union, being a union representative is, is where you do that, right? And, um, and it's important for people to understand how that works, right? Who should run for steward? Um, you know, what are you looking at as far as a commitment? Because those types of things are important. If you're going to do it, you want to do it well. Yeah. Right. And and that that takes some dedication. Right. There's a there's a pretty high level of dedication required to be a steward. Would you agree? I agree. Oh, yeah. It, it takes time. It takes energy. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I say it all the time. It's easy to be a bad steward, but it, it takes some work and, and some dedication to be a good steward. So there's a difference. And and quite frankly, if you want to, you know, if you want to be a steward and be a bad steward, um, no thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we respectfully decline. <laughs> so, but but if this is something that's been on your mind, right? Then this is the podcast for you because we want to talk about about what that looks like. So th- there are skills that are required, right, to be a good steward. There's definitely a skill set. So let's talk about that. What, what are some of those things? So first and foremost, you need to have, like we said, knowledge of the contract and knowledge of what your rights are. Um, you yes. can't go take a job enforcing the contract if you don't understand it. Right. You can't protect people's rights if you don't know what those rights are. And that doesn't mean you need to be like a high level master of the whole contract right now. You know, you learn as you go, but you need to at least be invested enough that you have a base level knowledge of our yeah. procedures. Yeah, so let's start there. If you're not willing to read the contract, to open up the contract and read it, then um, maybe this is not a job for you. 
But important to know that it, this is not about fighting, right? That's the, I think that's the biggest thing, the biggest mistake that young stewards make. They they think this is about you know putting on the gloves and fighting with the company. Yeah, and, and it's not that. Um, it's not about fighting, but you do need to be comfortable with conflict. Right. That's important yeah. because there is conflict involved in this job. So it's not about putting on the gloves and punching people in the mouth, but it, it does require some level of comfort with with conflict. Right. Yeah. I, I also think that you need uh, to have a drive to stand up for your coworkers. No doubt. I mean, that that for sure yeah. helps. Right. You know, the other thing is you need the ability to put aside your personal biases and look at things just based on the contract. Um, you can't let your feelings get in the way, whether it's the way you feel about a certain member or a certain issue. You have to represent everybody the same. You have to maintain their privacy, and you have yes. to you know, uphold what we need you to uphold. Yeah, it's one of the first things I say um, when I train new stewards. One of the first things I say to them is, the contract is the only thing that matters. We don't care about your opinion. Yeah. Right. Your opinion doesn't matter. It's only the contract that matters. And and that's difficult for some people. Right. Because when you get emotional and when you get emotionally invested in something, um, sometimes those lines get blurred and that's difficult to do. So, um, you know, sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's easy, but you do need to make sure that, you know, it's the contract. It's about the contract. It's not about you. Yeah, it's real important that you be able to communicate well, not only with your members so they understand the process and what you're trying to achieve, but also with management. Um, a lot of things are caused by miscommunication and just having the ability to get across what you need to, um, being able to look at the situation without bias and say, is there a contractual violation? What's the best, best path forward to a resolution? Um, and you should know what you are entitled to for a resolution and what you want for a resolution. One of the biggest mistakes you can make is to go to the company and say, we've got this problem, we've got this problem, and you don't have a solution for it, and you wait for them to tell you what they want to do. Yeah, and, and, and I, I want to touch on what you said. You started off that with communication skills. It, it's so vitally important, right, to have good communication skills. If you're that person in the shop who is – constantly in conflict with management and you think that that's what it takes to be a steward you couldn't be more wrong yeah that's not it right yeah. it's not like a, a lot of people think that right people who are voting in steward elections think that oh that guy he gives management a hard time all the time yeah. he's my guy i want him to be the steward yeah. thus a good steward has good relationships with management right. because if management wants to work things out with you that's going to be better for the members yeah, absolutely right? you know we talked about earlier how there's times where you might have a good argument that seems black and white and the company just says, no, 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 we're not going to settle. And if you're that type of person that is just looking to battle and battle for no reason, you're going to get shut down all the time. Absolutely. You need to be able to react to those kinds of things and to find that middle ground. When the, when the other person is not looking for middle ground, you need to be the person to be able to find that middle ground and get the, get the other person there. Yeah, and it's really it's your responsibility to the member to control that kind of, you know, those feelings um, and to conduct yourself in the right way because it's the member who's going to suffer if you're not able to get things done. Yeah, they're counting on us. Yep. No doubt. Um, you know, you talked about the contract already. So, you know, it takes some some level of intelligence, right, to be a good steward. You need to be able to read that contract and not just read it, but understand it. And to be able to, um, you need to be able to interpret that that contract. Um, you know, we rely on on 
union leadership to really give the union's official interpretation of language, but you need to be able to do that stuff on the fly, right? You need to be able to ascertain what language means, not just read it. Yeah. And, you know, before we get too far away from the communication thing, the other thing I want to touch on is just that there's cases, regular cases, where you're going to find out there is no violation of the contract, but you've got a member who's upset, a member who's pissed off, and you're going to have to tell them, hey, look, we don't have contract language to file this grievance, and you're still going to have to be able to have them leave the situation feeling like they were represented, they understood their rights. Um, and that you did a good job for them, even though they didn't get the outcome they wanted. I say it all the time. The most important thing that a steward should do well is tell a member no and make them feel good about it. Yeah. You right. Know. And, and that sounds manipulative, but it's not. You know, you need to have the savvy to explain, like you said, to explain to a member who's upset why their case doesn't violate the contract and that you understand why they're upset, but um, that that a grievance is not necessarily appropriate. That's a skill, um, and it's something that uh, some folks just aren't good at, right? It's um, we need to be good at that. it's It's not fair to to tell a member to lead a member on to give them false hope, right? right. It's not fair to do that. But kind of like a doctor, you know, you need to have bedside manner. Um, because yeah, yeah we, that's a great way to put it. You know, we need to leave the situation still having a strong union membership. And if people feel like you as the steward didn't care about their issue or were dismissive of their issue, then, you know, they're going to leave there without having yeah. that mentality. Exactly. Yeah. So as, as the chief labor steward, I just want to say, if your steward ever tells you shut up and go back to work, let me know. I need to know who that steward is um, because that's not the right way to do it, right? We need to take the time to care about you and to care about your concerns and explain to you what the contract says and means. Exactly. So what else? What else makes a good steward? Uh, Because not everybody has these, you know, this skill set. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, on a high level, you have to be willing to put the members before yourself. Um, if members think that you're doing this job to better yourself, you're not going to have very much yeah. support. And that's the wrong reason to be in this. That's a great point. Um, so the, the ability to to go into a, a meeting, right? You're going you're gonna to be doing this stuff kind of on the fly, right? Yes, we do investigations, but, but really you go and talk to a member. They tell you what their issue is. You have to have the ability to assess that situation immediately. Is there a contract violation? What's the best path to a resolution? If there is no violation, like I said, like we said, um, you need to have the ability to say no to that member, to tell that member that there is no violation. But, But you need to be able to do these things you know, on the fly quickly and, and react to changes in the conversation. Um, you need to have an understanding of labor law. It's not just the contract because we are responsible for, for holding management, not just to our contract, but to the laws as well. Yes. Right. There are, there are labor laws that they are responsible for upholding um, that are outside of our contract. And, And that's important as well. And I always say the ability to build good relationships, right? It's always about good relationships. I harp on all of our stewards about that. You work with management, not against them. 
Yep. If if they want to work against us, then you know we have to have the ability to to put up a fight. But the desire for us is to have a good relationship and work things out. Yeah. It is a little bit of a needle to thread. Because um, on is. the flip side of that, I remember when I first became a steward, I had a manager that every time I walked into his department, and I was a new employee, new steward, this guy would walk up like he was my best friend. And I could not figure out why this guy was doing this. And it was to undermine me in front of the members to make it look like, we're buddies, and I didn't know this guy at all. Mm. Um, so you have to kind of be careful of that as well. That's you, really you interesting. Always, that is interesting. Yeah, and I, I had never experienced it. that. No, yeah, me neither. Yeah, I wasn't too friendly after that. <laughs> um, and this was a supervisor that everybody hated. So it really was, you know, it was pretty rich that he was doing this. Um, yeah, but I have to give him props on that. That's pretty. It might have uh, been the smartest. So I don't. He maybe he wasn't aware. So he was trying to taint you with his stink. You know, maybe he was, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Maybe he was just trying to curry favor, but that's the way I took it. You know, you're not going to undermine me by making it look like we're friends. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to do a job, and I'm here for the members, and your members always need to know that you're here for them. Really good point. So let me ask you guys a question. What what made you guys want to be a steward? I don't care who answers first. Tell me. For me, I got in early. Um, my grandfather worked in a, in a different union. My aunts were teachers. They were in a union. They were very involved. And I remember when I got hired, my aunt said, you should get involved in the union. And I said, well, I don't know how to do that. And they said, well, go find your steward, introduce yourself. And really early on, I did that. I told him, hey, you know, how'd you become a steward? And he said, well, go to the meetings, get involved. And, you know, when the opportunity comes up, I'll, I'll let you know. And sure enough, he did. Um, and shortly thereafter, I became a steward about, I don't know, maybe nine months into working here. Oh, wow. Uh, well, that's which really was pretty good. fresh. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Presents but, a lot of different challenges. Trying but to- you had, so you had family history. That's, that's, um, that's very different from my experience. What about you, Vin? It took me a little while. So I didn't, it didn't really occur to me until I was like seven years into my career at Sikorsky. And it, you know, I, I found that I had a passion for workers' rights and, you know, I wanted to be able to stand up for my, my coworkers. So it, it took me a while to, to get there and see, you know, exper- actually experiencing good stewards where I was helped a lot. And they, you know, they kind of helped me get involved in the union and give me advice on getting involved with the union. And then when I changed jobs, that's when it kind of hit me. The opportunity arose and it was like, okay, let me put in for it and see what happens. And then. That's I good. I feel like I was uh, I was almost um, forced into it. Um, I, I really I I didn't have a good experience. First of all, I grew up in a family that that was white collar and you know didn't have a high opinion of unions. Didn't badmouth unions yeah. by any means, but didn't have a high opinion of unions. So I came into my job at Sikorsky not really knowing anything about unions, not caring about the union. Um, but I remember one day I, I called for a steward because I walked into work early and I caught two supervisors building a gearbox. And Oof. I knew that was wrong, yeah. right? I knew that was Oof. wrong. So I, I, I called for a steward. And, and and it was a terrible experience. My steward came and, and he said, come on, we're going to sit over here. He took me to a workbench and we sat at the workbench and he told me to put my feet up on the bench and we sat there for hours doing nothing and 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 he thought that that was the the right message to send right so we weren't fighting the issue at all we were just thumbing our noses at management and 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 it didn't feel right to me 
Um, and, and then I almost got fired uh, for an incident that I was a victim in, and the company decided to to walk both myself and the person that I got into a, a confrontation with. It was a verbal confrontation, and 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 the other guy pulled a knife on me. Oh, so um, you know, I felt like a victim, and I ended up. I ended up on the outside looking in and the union saved my job. Wow. And that was the day that I said, you know, I, I need to, I need to, I need to take part in this because I don't want to be the guy that sat me at the bench and put my feet up for four hours. Right. I, I want to actually fix things because somebody fixed it for me. Yeah. Right. So I want to do that. So that was my story. I, I, um, I kind of got thrust into it. Um, so, so what kind of things do you guys do? Um, what do you think you do that makes you an effective steward? I think first and foremost, you got to be able to listen to people and, yeah. and really take in what they're saying. Um, be aware of what issues they're having. You know, it's so common that you get people when they're upset, it's like the whole world is crashing down. And you have to be able to digest that, stay calm and give them a clear path forward. And that's what, uh, you know, I think enables people to kind of get back down to the baseline where they need to be. Yeah, I I think I'm really good at that. Uh, I it, it's it's I think why I harp on it with newer stewards that you know you need to be able to explain things to members when they're upset, um, it, it, when what you're going to tell them maybe will upset them even more. You you need to have that skill to to let them down easy, right? Yeah. yeah. And and I think I'm good at that. I think I've always been pretty good at that, and I think that's a, a part of what makes me effective at what I do. Because let's face it, we know as stewards, right, that the majority of calls we get are not valid grievances, right? right. Most, most of the time, it's just a complaint, right? It's somebody who doesn't feel good about what's going on, and you have to explain to them why their case can't go forward. Yeah. More often than not. So, so it's something that's really important for us to be able to do. And aside from just being able to empathize with the grievant, um, just being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes is important because you're going to need to be able to look at it not only from the grievance perspective, but from the company's perspective. And you need to be able to assess what are their limitations, because if you go forward with a, a remedy that they can't possibly grant you and that's the only thing that you're offering them, you're not going to get anywhere. Um, so you really need to be able to understand everybody's position and find a common ground. I think checking in with the members in your area on a regular basis is a good practice to have. And that's something I like to do, you know, just how's it going, you know, anything going on I need to know about just talking to people and, you know, letting them sometimes just vent. I think that's something that the majority of stewards don't do. And I think you're absolutely right. I think it's really important. It's, It's something that we all need to do is to make sure that we're visible in our workplace and, and that we're, we're taking that extra step by asking, you know, yeah. hey, how's it going? Yeah. Is there anything I can do? Yeah. That's something we always try to do better. But, you know, right now we've got so many new hires in Final Assembly. It's yeah. difficult. Um, it, it is. So I apologize to anybody listening that we haven't got out to meet. But by all means, if you're a new employee, feel free to stop by the union area where your steward is or, you know, Say hello to your steward if he's got his shirt on and you know who he is. Make yourself known, and, you know, we're here to help you. So we definitely want to get out and meet everybody. Yeah. So so if if folks out there are looking to, to do this, let's talk about some responsibilities, some basic responsibilities that stewards have. Um, 
you know, then he just touched on it. Communicating with members is really important. Communicating with members about the issues that are going on because, you know, we get turnout at meetings is not good. It's getting better. Um, thank you, uh, Jason, for the food truck because people are coming to eat. So, but but whatever, whatever gets them here, right? But but I think it's really important to get the issues out to the members through the stewards because not everybody's hearing everything, right? We kind of live in a bubble sometimes. We're so involved with our union that we know the issues, and and sometimes we forget that the, the average member out there on the shop floor doesn't have knowledge of those issues. So we have to make sure, stewards have to make sure that they get out there and talk to the members on important issues. What else? So you're going to definitely have to attend, you know, the steward meeting, the membership meeting. You're not going to be an informed steward if you don't go to those. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you do try to bring that information back to the shop and, you know, educate everybody else. Um, you're going to be responsible for, ta- you know, fielding steward requests and filing grievances. So it's important to remember that our grievance procedure has timelines and you have to follow those timelines or you could really mess up somebody's grievance. You, you know, they could throw it out. Um, so you need to be willing to put that first. You know, you might have a busy schedule. You've got a grievance, and you've got to go drop off that grievance at Union Hall, or yeah. you've got to go make sure you're at work for that step one meeting, um, and you have to put those things first. Yep. One thing, Jason, that I think you're really good at, I, in, in fact, I think you're, you're better than me at it, um, is – is encouraging members to get involved, right? Yeah. Is encouraging members to come to meetings. I know that you do that a lot. You talk about it a lot. Like you have this thing where you want to bring a new person to to a meeting every month. Um, and I think that's awesome. I'm not I great agree. at that and, and I should be better at that. But, um, but that's really important, right? If you are an involved member as a steward, then you need to encourage that kind of involvement with all of the members. Yeah, and please, Definitely. you don't have to be a steward to do this. Yes, uh, exactly. I mean, the first guy who grabbed me and told me to come to a meeting was not a steward. So get oh, yeah. out there, grab yeah. a few extra people, tell them you'll buy them lunch. It's free. <laughs> <laughs> but when I, you know, so when I say this, um, I, I mean that, you know, it, it's it's a great thing to do for members at large it's a necessity for a steward, yeah. right? It becomes one of your roles if you're a steward. Yeah, you're the connection between, you know, the membership and the union leadership. Um, so just like we said, the members are our e- eyes and ears on the floor. The, as a steward, you're the eyes and ears for the executive board. Yeah. Absolutely, because the executive board has no idea what's going on in there, right? Yeah. It's up yeah. to it's up to stewards to bring that to them. And to that point, stewards are the ones that the executive board rely on when they need help, whether it's running an event or, you know, yeah. implementing some sort of, you know, thing at Union Hall. They always need members to get involved. So, and, and of course, as a steward, your primary role is to, is to, to, to be that person in your area who is enforcing the contract, enforcing labor law, making sure that management is doing the things that the company committed to doing when they negotiated the contract, right? Management has responsibilities under our contract, and it's the steward's job to make sure that um, you know they're upholding their end of the bargain. Uh, I, I think it's really important to to kind of close this segment by by saying, you know, as as Union members, we need to remember that we're participating in a movement. We're not just 
customers who who purchase a service from the union. Exactly. We're defining right? it. Yes. I, exactly. Yes. It's not so when you're paying dues, it's not you're not paying dues just for services. Yes, you get services from the union, but you are a part of a movement. You're participating in this movement. And I think if we if we focus on that as union members, it'll it'll make us more active, and it'll it'll give us some pride in what we're doing. Right? We have to remember uh, that that the labor movement was founded on workers coming together in solidarity and and to collectively work towards improving their lives. Yes. Right. Exactly. That's what we are. We're not just workers who happen to have these this group of folks. That, that our union representatives who, who help them out on occasion, right? It's all of us. We are the union. Yeah, your union is not a third party. Yeah, exactly. Right? You're a member for a reason. Um, so if you, if you want to get involved, right, if you're looking to get involved in your union, um, rewind and listen to this again, right, and, and, and find that, that place where you feel like you belong, where you feel comfortable um, becoming a little bit more active. Talk to your steward. Talk to your business agent. Come down to Union Hall at a meeting and talk to Rocco Kalo about how you can get involved and be a more involved member. Um, the, the, the more involved members we have, the better we all Absolutely. are. Absolutely. I think it's worth noting, too, um, anytime there's a steward position that's open, Steve, you put out the you know announcement to the company, and yep. those get posted on the formal announcement boards within the plant, all over the plants. Yep. So um, check your union board always. Yes. And there's an appointment process if we're in the middle of a term. Um, but there's also, you know, an application process to apply to be a steward. And you want to make sure that you don't miss that. Yep. So um, what events do we have coming up? Anything? Well, we've got the membership meeting on the 16th. Yep. That's at 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock. Uh, we start ser- serving the food an hour before. So come on down. We'll, we'll have T-shirts for sale and everything else. So wear, buy a T-shirt, wear a T-shirt, you know, wear your union pride right on your chest. That's awesome. I know that we, uh, I'm, I'm waiting for the announcement on the date for the Teamsters Veterans Caucus Golf Tournament. That should be coming very soon. So look for that. Look for that on our website. Look for that on the, on the union bulletin boards. Um, a, a date for that event should be coming soon. And, you know, keeping with the spirit of, of this podcast if you want to volunteer for that event give us a call talk to the the folks involved in the tvc and and volunteer for that event contract surveys right are still out yeah contract surveys are going around you can uh edit them take them as many times as you want please make sure you do it it's uh really important that your voice is heard and we've said on past episodes we've got a great software program now so we can really analyze and dive deep into you know what people are telling us what the, what's important to them yeah if you're a new member uh i i know that i just did a new employee orientation uh yesterday and and i had a brand new employee say to me i tried to take the survey and i couldn't take the survey um because you're not a member yet right you're you're just you're just coming into orientation yeah. you're just signing up for the union today so so if you've if you've signed up to be a union member, give it a week, maybe two weeks, right, to be safe, and then download our app, make a profile on the app, and and take the survey right through our app, and, and that should all work for you. Yep. If it doesn't work for you, um, find Jason, and he'll help you out because 
That's Jason's department. Yeah, I'm working on, for anybody that is waiting, I've been working on updating that list, but I want to make sure that when I update that list, we don't delete any currently filled out surveys or uh, have any issues. So Yeah, that would be catastrophic. Just, yeah, just yeah. bear with me so I make sure I don't break the whole thing. So what have we got as far as labor activity out there, Vin? So one of the big ones from this past week was on March 2nd, REI Co-op, their flagship location in Manhattan and Soho, voted by 86% to join the retail retail, wholesale and department store union. All this despite a lot of union-busting tactics uh, including mandatory uh, captive audience meetings and a 25-minute union-busting podcast featuring CEO Eric Arts. Oh, we should invite him on. Yeah, I yeah. know, right? Yeah, that would be great. And, but th- just to, the total on that election was 88 to 14. Yeah, that's, so. it was pretty overwhelming. So all that was a waste of time. Yeah. Yep. Looks like and they, a waste of money, Good. which I like. I wonder how many of the Let 14 the, the company hired in after the— <laughs> Right, those were probably hired— yeah. The next, to vote no. we also have an, uh, another uh, successful organizing drive. The New York Times tech workers vote to unionize. On March 3rd, 600 New York Times, Times tech workers have uh, voted to unionize while the company is facing claims that they unlawfully interfered in the organizing drive. The workers voted 404 to 88 in favor of joining the uh, News Guild of New York. The bargaining unit will be known as the Times Tech Guild, and is the largest tech worker union in the United States now. Hooray. Okay. What else? So, Stop and Shop workers ratified a four-year contract. On February 27th, Stop and Shop workers ratified a four-year contract, avoiding another strike when they, uh, they struck Stop and Shop three years ago during their last negotiations when it's, uh, it stalled out. And they were on strike for, I believe, 11 days. Uh, this agreement's going to cover 30,000 workers in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island. Connecticut is represented by UFCW Local 919 and my old local, UFCW Local 371. The deal includes uh, wage increases by at least $4 an hour for all employees that have at least six months of service. Part-time workers will be paid a starting rate of uh, $15 an hour, and full-time workers, seventeen thirty. The contract will boost uh, wages nearly 29% to $19 an hour from fifteen thirty for click and collect workers who fill the online orders as a result of the pandemic uh, for you know curbside pickup. And um, you know, while you're on that point. I just want to point out to people, if you go to Stop and Shop, use that feature. Don't use self-checkout. I agree. Yeah, never use Please. self-checkout. Please. I mean, I love this that they're adding this. They do it at BJ's. They do it at Stop and Shop. You have the ability to shop online. A worker in the store does your shopping, and then you pick it up. So if you're somebody that like can't be bothered to go to a regular checkout, just use that, and you're supporting a job. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. And, uh, Don't use self-checkout. And while ever, we're on that topic ever. still, 
stop using self-checkout in the cafeteria. Yes. Yeah. They have cut their hours. They're putting more and more work on those people. It, it's disgusting. Yeah, Do let's, not use the Let's support our cafeteria workers at Sikorsky Aircraft I by agree. not using self-checkout. They Leave are, those self-checkout lanes empty. I don't care if you have to stand in line for five extra minutes. You're getting paid. Stand in line. You're, you're getting paid. And the last, the 11 day strike during 2019 at Stop and Shop, the company lost $345 million in sales. So was I it think worth that, it? So I think it was, this is why they got a contract pretty swiftly. So as you're talking, Vin, I'm, I'm, I'm looking online and I see that today, um, all, this is almost real time. The NLRB just approved a petition for a second Staten Island warehouse, Amazon warehouse, yep. to have a vote. Um, so there are going to be two union votes on Staten Island for Amazon. Beautiful. So let's go, Amazon. Yep. Yep. Those are right? coming up in March. And then they've got the Alabama one going on right now. So good stuff. And as always, Starbucks continues. Yes. Um, that Starbucks union continues to push that company, and I love it. Yep. Starbucks Workers United. Yeah, they're hitting Boston now. So keep on going to Starbucks, right? Go get your coffee at Starbucks if that's what you're used to doing. Make sure that when you do, have a conversation with the, the barista there at the counter and let them know how great a union is. Yeah, wear a union shirt, too. You, it's so fun watching the manager cringe real hard while you're waiting. <laughs> So um, so we close every episode with a labor quote. What do we got? We have a labor quote? I, have, I actually have a couple from the same person. All right, hit me. So first one is, for over 50 years, management has tried to teach workers that they should feel lucky to have a job. For the next 50 years, we need to teach management they should feel lucky to have our work. And that's Sarah Nelson, and she is the president of the Association of Flight Attendants. She was also the vice president for the Association of Flight Attendants, and she's been a flight attendant since 1996. And she's the current? She's the current. Okay. And and that's a group of folks, right, who have suffered through the pandemic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? Flight attendants, um, uh, so many of them have lost their jobs and are still struggling to get their jobs back. So um, a, an important group of people to yes. to support. And the, the closing quote is, standing alone, there's nothing we can do, but standing together, there's nothing we can't accomplish. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, so, as always, we appreciate everybody listening, appreciate everybody downloading, and really encourage people to get on Podbean and follow us, right? We don't have a lot of followers, so get on there and follow us. Please, we want a lot of followers, so go to Podbean and follow us. Um, we always want to hear from you. We want to hear your comments. Do you like this podcast? Do you hate this podcast? Um, we're okay if you hate it. We just want to know why you hate it, okay? So um, drop us a line at comms at teamsters1150.org. That's C-O-M-M-S at teamsters1150.org. Tell us why you love it. Tell us why you hate it. Um, tell us what you want to hear on future episodes, and we'll try to make that happen. Um, but uh, just thank you. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you um, downloading. Um, and until next time, I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Kaitsi. And I'm Jason Shoemaker. We'll see you next time.